This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Welcome in to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm Bill Bartholomew. Always a pleasure to spend some time with you. New episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, and of course, Saturdays at 3 p.m. on WPRO. All right, today a conversation that is kind of a long time coming here on B-Town. Look, throughout the course of the pandemic, we learned a lot, and we've been through a tremendous amount of challenges. There's, I mean, that's as obvious as the sky is blue and the moon will probably be out many nights this month. But the specific issue surrounding visitation to nursing homes and other congregate care facilities, I mean, that's something that there have just been so many horrible, sad stories that have emerged from that where, you know, elderly folks unable to see or have any kind of human contact with a member of their family and passing away in isolation and, you know, just the the mental health taxation that that has put obviously on those individuals, but also anyone who's close to those individuals, whether it be be it family or friends, whatever the case is. Um, so this is kind of like an obvious thing that it was a challenge, but Charlie Galligan is an advocate for the essential caregivers movement, and he went through an experience with his parents being in a congregate care facility and being unable to access them and provide that essential care that while there are CNAs and other professionals that have certainly been able to do what they can, sometimes it really is the family member that is able to provide the most practical and, and, and appropriate care to somebody in a healthcare facility of any sort, um, or at least be a part of that team, right? So now we're in a moment where we've learned so much from the pandemic, we've learned so much about our public health infrastructure, where there are shortcomings, where there are strengths, what we can do from a personal protection standpoint, you know, obviously with masking and vaccines and testing and, and everything surrounding that. But there are still gaps, and one of them is, and how do we manage this essential caregiver and congregate care visitation scenario, which is quite frankly still playing out. So that's our conversation today. Charlie Galligan, somebody who has been on the forefront of this, right here on the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Okay, welcome into Bartholomew Town. My guest is Charlie Galligan, and today we're talking about something that is, look, I mean, this is something that that impacts just about everybody in one way, shape, or form. Um, and we saw such an incredible, um, incredibly sad and concerning moment during the pandemic. And l- let me let you, Charlie, explain exactly what it is you're advocating for and, and the work that you do and how you came into this this space here. Yes, completely by accident. So, yeah, so my name is Charlie Galligan. So, for the uh, for the past ten years, I've been deeply immersed in the care of my parents. My mother suffered a, a terrible fall, um, which she was in a coma, and then it led to a traumatic brain injury. And through the years of caring for her, my my father his his world of course collapsed when my mother, um, my former mother, went away, and she's been replaced by this um, uh, a lovable, adorable, but shell of of her former self. So my father sadly slipped into Alzheimer's, and uh, my wife and I were caring for him here. He was living with us at our house. My mother was in a nursing home just around the corner. We're in Bristol, and like everybody else, when COVID hit. Uh, no, nobody knew what the heck was going on worldwide. So we were happy to uh, stay out of the nurse, nursing home for a couple months while everybody tried to figure out what was going on and take necessary precautions. But after a few months, um, 
when uh, the former governor uh, Raimondo enacted a plan to open up businesses, including casinos and strip clubs. That was about the time. It was a few months in. That was about the time that I started uh, advocating for like a hu- humane resumption of some type of safe nursing home visitation because in my parents case neither understood why they were separated i was a daily visitor of my mom and um you know i, I was just there nearing the end of life and i just wanted to give them each uh the ability to to be together yeah and and you mentioned that you know the casinos the casinos specifically i mean when that when we went into that so-called pause back in november of 2020 and they kept the casinos open that was for me the moment where it was like, hold on a second here. This is going to be an all or nothing type of, of situation. Otherwise, you're not going to, first of all, you're not going to sell it. And you're not going to get the right buy-in. Um, and people are going to start to question things like nursing home visitation in particular, um, on inability to conduct you know, funerals, so on and so forth. I mean, th- this is where it went off the rails for a lot of folks. And what did you learn during those first few months um, of the pandemic and and how did that inform kind of how when things were able to reopen or seem like they should be able to reopen how you would approach nursing home visitation well i mean what did i learn i mean it was just it i was smacked in the face with the fact that my daily care you know we're we're more than visitors like it's we the, the laws that we're advocating for are called essential caregiver laws and um you know we're more than visitors. We go in and we, we contribute to the daily care of, of our, you know, of our loved ones in the facilities. But the state of Rhode Island doesn't make any, um, they don't make any money off tax revenue, right? Of, of me being there, cutting my mom's fingernails or doing, you know, all of the jobs that I do with her uh, to supplement the care of the wonderful CNAs and nurses. And I can't say enough about the staff. Um, you know, my wife and I have been big fans of CNAs, nurses, and all the supporting staff for years before the pandemic. We didn't need this crisis to uh, suddenly be aware of all that those um, women and men do. But so, you know, my care supplements them, uh, but it wasn't, uh, it just wasn't on the radar screen of the politicians. So it was, incumbent upon family caregivers to bring it to the attention of the politicians um, and the nursing home industry and some in the nursing home industry. My parents happen to be in a a great facility now in Warren, Grace Barker Health, and they're very cooperative and they work with families uh, towards, you know, to make things better for the residents. But there are sadly some unscrupulous nursing home owners and CEOs who were after a few months and there was a nationwide crisis of staffing they were more than happy to keep families out of there as long as possible so that families weren't seeing what was going on and that is just a wholly unethical reason to keep families out and that was on the grounds of COVID-19 or was that you know how did that 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 happen and and what was the justification for it sure two years ago uh, you know it's we're over two years now so sure yeah we all understood it but you know as the months went on and uh well, first of all, you know, it took them, I used to, you know, somewhat joke that it took them, it took our country like eight or nine months to research and develop uh, the vaccines and get them all distributed. And uh, since then, we've all been, when I say we all, that is staffs at nursing homes and visitors to nursing homes, we've all been vaccinated and boosted. Um, but yet, you know, still access wasn't granted. And while while I'm in good shape and I I now we we had to move my father from our home in, into the nursing home 
Um, and we changed nursing homes largely because of this. So we're in good shape now, but there's, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of, of residents across the country and, uh, and families that are still, I got a story two days ago from, I think it was Illinois or someplace. I'm in touch with advocates and families all across the country. So, um, but I believe it was Illinois where there was a, another lockdown put in place just now because there was an, um, a few cases of scabies. Wow. And, and that's, that's why we're trying to push these laws, um, you know, to act as a guardrail against those nursing homeowners that would just, they're too trigger happy to, to kick families out. And I think it's, you know, I, when I've, um, you know, lamented in the press that, you know, facilities could keep uh, people out for three or four months every year when there's a flu outbreak. Uh, I think it's, it's conspicuous that nobody in the industry ever rebutted that or told me I was crazy. Um, And now, and now we see that that does in fact happen. So, As the pandemic eases, a lot of politicians have, you know, given dutiful lip service to the horrors of isolation, um, but they haven't taken the steps they need to take uh, to prevent this from happening again. That's why we're urging our federal delegation here in Rhode Island to hop on board with, you know, those others across the country who are supporting our federal bill, the Essential Caregiver Law, which is H.R. 3733. And so let's talk about the bill. What's what does it contain? Is it is it basically parameters for which, you know, close family or whoever is defined as an essential caregiver is is able to access um, a, a nursing home or or other congregate care facility in in the event that there's a any kind of uh, medical outbreak? Is that is that essentially what it what it is about? Yeah. Yes, and it's you know it's fairly straightforward. It's not a big complicated bill. You can look it up online thirty seven thirty three, and it just I think it provides, you know, any resident to designate or their, you know, their designee to to name two individuals as essential caregivers. And I think they're they they would be granted uh, access during a 12 hour window each day. We're not you know, we're not so extreme as to say just throw open the doors of every facility during future medical uh, emergencies. But, you know, there were previously federally guaranteed rights uh for nur- for all nursing home and uh, assisted living residents across the country to have full access to visitors and um while uh, you know one of one of the groups i work with is called caregivers for compromise and it's it's a well-named group because you know we're we're happy to compromise with the industry execs and anybody else with a stake in this game just you know we, we just we're just looking for some humanity nothing Nothing outlandish. We just, you know, I saw the effects of isolation from these people. Those who died, you know, over Zoom, their daughters and sons were trying to say goodbye to them over Zoom. You know, Alzheimer's patients, they don't do great with FaceTime and Zoom. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the industry tried to tell window visits, which is basically walking around the back of your mom's facility and knocking on the. It's it's horrible. It's it's horrible. My group, we put out a group called, uh, excuse me, we put out a book called Protecting Them to Death. The isolation, the impact of isolation in long-term care, and you can look it up. And it, we um, we collected stories of isolation in facilities from all 50 states, and it's just it's heartbreaking. We've sent it to all U.S. reps, all U.S. senators, including our four. Um, I've communicated with their office, but uh, their offices, but as of yet, uh, none of the four have have jumped on. And it's it, at this point, it's pretty disgraceful. Support for Bartholomew Town comes from Commonwealth Care Alliance, Rhode Island, delivering uncommon care to Rhode Island. P 
PVD Fest presented by FirstWorks coming to Providence this June and by Pure Vita Labs. Visit purevitalabs.com. Now back to B-Town. Yeah, what, I wonder what the... I mean, there's the obvious thing, which is that, hey, look, you know, the pandemic hit and everyone was out of sorts and and had no idea where we were going or or how we could take precautions and so on and so forth. But, you know, at this point in time, we understand personal protective equipment. We have the vaccine. We have the booster. We have testing. We have all these mechanics. So at what point does, you know, you hate to say it this way, but at what point do we move on? Um, where, we, where, you know, again, it's not just, you know, anti-vax maniac world, but where obviously the, the, the most vulnerable in that category, that includes people who are in congregate care facilities oftentimes, but there are ways to protect both the patient or, or the person in the facility, the staff and the family. What do you think it is that, that is the, the disconnect on this? So that's a, a great question. It's an obvious question. It's one that I've asked many times. I'll try and spare you the um, more cynical side of myself. But, you know, we do hear, um, first of all, there's no money uh, needed for this bill, right? So a lot of times, they, you know, politicians don't want to write checks for this, that, or the other thing. But, you know, it, it, it costs no money to allow the sons and daughters and wives and sisters and brothers to go in to, to supplement the care of the CNAs. So, um, you know, in my day job, I work as a criminal defense private investigator. And I will tell you that I was, you know, I visited prisons during lockdown and, and uh, those visits were, there was common sense. <laughs> you know, they were guided by common sense at the prisons and they were m- much more effective and, and safe. Um, and, you know, allowed me to do my job uh, than when I would try to go see my mother at the facility. So mm. I don't know. I mean, there, there have been rumblings that, you know, in, in my group, another group I work with called the Essential Caregiver Movement, which consists of a bunch of bright uh, caregivers from across the country. We, uh, you know, we got a sponsor, uh, a U.S. rep to sponsor the bill. We all went down to the steps of the Capitol. We introduced the bill uh, to much fanfare uh, in the ensuing, that was about a year ago, in the ensuing year, um, some of the reluctance there are rumbling that it's because, uh, (laughs) I'll try and be um, gentle in my language, but some of the uh, Democratic U.S. congressmen, they're not eager to, they're not a fan of the sponsor. We took whatever sponsor we could get. Mm -hmm. Uh, She happens to be... um, I guess she has some pro Donald Trump uh, stuff on her website or Facebook. This is not, you know, my realm. And for that, I think some Democrats are hesitant to work with her. Now we've pestered. Uh, so most of our sponsors are are Republicans. We've gotten a lot of Democrats though. Now um, we've we've asked them to grow up and be adults and and not be middle schoolers. And in fact, I have advocacy colleagues in Connecticut just next door. And now all five of those U.S. reps have signed on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I believe they might all be Democrats. So I'm I'm confused as to why I'm still hitting a brick wall here in in Rhode Island. But, you know, one of my advocacy friends, she she points out that, uh, you know, you wouldn't deprive a blind person of their seeing eye dog you wouldn't deprive a deaf person of their hearing aid or a a non-ambulatory person of their cane and and in the case of my mother and father you know they cannot express themselves any longer and and i'm 
I understand their their distorted language at this point, and and I am their voice. I know what they their needs are, and I can relay that to the staff. And and why we're depriving these people of access to their loved ones in their dying years is just beyond me. It's it's inexcusable at this point. Yeah, last couple of minutes here. I you know I wonder about on the state level. What about Governor McKee and and other leaders here within the state? Is there any movement even inside the General Assembly on this matter? Yeah. Yeah, they've been great. And I will say, uh, um, you know, if anybody thinks I'm just trashing uh, politicians, I will say I had a much better experience with our state reps and state senators. And my state rep, June Speakman, I worked mm-hmm. with her and uh, she put forth a bill. And, and, and we didn't, despite our lopsided uh, Democratic General Assembly, we really, they didn't focus on Democrat or Republican. They were all decent. Uh, we got the bill passed unanimously last June, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you ask about Governor McKee, I'm sorry to report. I, um, you know, I approached him at one point and, and asked him to sign the bill. And he said that he wasn't, didn't know if it had passed. I informed him that it had unanimously. He told me he would sign it and he never signed it. So it ultimately passed uh, without his signature. Uh, but that was a disappointment uh, to, to those of us families with loved ones in a facility and although that bill passed unanimously almost a year ago, um, I've been um, attending hearings with the Department of Health. I've testified I've, as they uh, attempt to develop language that will govern the bills. Um, but nearly a year later, that language hasn't been um, codified. And, um, you know, there were some outs there when, when I was looking at the language that said, you know, you can allow, you must allow essential caregivers in. Um, except for any mitigating factors. And when I objected to let that language, because it was vague and any you know CEO of a nursing home could keep anybody out for whatever a mitigating factor is, uh, I objected to that. I waited a few months for another hearing, and they changed that language to you could keep an essential caregiver out for any necessary circumstances. I again objected to that, and it's been another five months or something, and I haven't heard. I've I've asked the Department of Health to, um, you know, to keep me updated about the language so that we can enact this state bill. But so we have and there are, you know, I could tell you 49 other stories about this from fellow advocates across the country. And it's just um, it's just it's just not up to snuff. And that's why we need a federal bill. And and, um, you know, when we were all, uh, you know, telling horrible stories of isolation, I've read in recent months that the government. And different entities uh, have now conducted studies to say that, yes, in fact, isolation in nursing homes was bad for Alzheimer's residents and other disabled people. And I don't know how much money they, those geniuses spent on those studies, but, um, you know, I, I didn't need a study. Anybody with common sense didn't need a study to say that. And I'll just say, Bill, that, you know, while COVID eases and it's just not as deadly anymore in May of 2022 as it was in, in March of 2020, uh, isolation still is, and it always will be. It's not good for young, able-bodied people, and it's particularly um, horrendous for those who cannot speak for themselves, who cannot walk, who cannot think clearly, who cannot speak. And, um, you know, we've got to protect that population. And uh, so we really urge our, our two reps, Cicilline uh, and Langevin here in Rhode Island, to uh, support HR 3733, and we are looking for a Senate companion bill, and we would love Senator Reed or White House to to make this a priority. 
Well, I know you've been a persistent advocate throughout the last several years on this, and I'm glad we were able to connect on this. Let's stay in touch as this continues to develop, and um, I'm interested to see both statewide and federally where this goes and and how it it contributes to a sort of reshaping of public policy around crises of this sort where you just, you you know it's a, it's a difficult balance and i think it's tough to hold anybody's feet to the fire when you're talking about the very beginning of covid-19 you know everything seemed like all right we just got to figure out how to navigate this but at this point it does seem like we've learned a lot of significant lessons and one of them is that we have tools to in addition to common sense to um you know, allow for something like essential caregivers who are family members to, to visit and care for their loved ones inside nursing homes. I mean, that seems like we're there, <laughs> you know, we, we have to, that's the ingenuity. That's, that's the, that's what everyone's been working towards. And why not, why not embrace that? So I'm, I'm with you all the way on this. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Bill. And yeah, we've had two years to learn about this. There's right. really no excuse to be dragging our heels. And uh, we, we just we have to protect this population. We've had two years to learn. It's not really that complicated. It costs no money. Uh, but we can't just completely view COVID in the rearview mirror and say, oh, we don't need to, you know, enact these laws anymore because we're past COVID. Well, it, it's as I say, it's happening still today. It could happen for flu, norovirus, scabies or, you know, a grudge. A nursing home administrator could keep a, a son or daughter out for a grudge, you know, if they were to speak out too much in the press and irritate the wrong people. So we really need to uh, get some protections against that. And I really appreciate the opportunity to get the word out for our cause. So thank you very much. Rhode Island's podcast of record, B-Town.